Welcome to the All Things Performance Podcast, where our goal is to stay hungry, to get better, and to move the meter. My name is Josiah Igano, and whether you're looking to improve physically, to get fed spiritually, or to challenge yourself mentally, we're digging deep to find those gems, and we're going to find them. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. I really believe that you're going to enjoy today's conversation. It is with my friend, Andy Clower. He has extensively studied applied functional neurology, and he does a tremendous job of breaking down the brain, its relationship with the rest of our bodies, and ultimately performance, right? Physically, athletically, uh, cognitively, and otherwise. Um, He currently serves in the role of a neural integration specialist and just looking at the brain and its relationship with all of the different domains as it relates to performance, right? Whether it's athletic training, nutrition, strength and conditioning, physiotherapy, whatever the case may be, this guy is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the brain. He's one of my go-tos when I I have any questions about the brain or when I want to talk extensively about the brain. This is our first conversation outside of the pandemic of 2020. I hope you enjoy, and without further ado, Let's get right into today's conversation. All right, here we are. How you doing today, Andy? I'm good, man. How are you? Good to see you. I, I, good to see you too, man. It's been a while, man. I think the last time you and I spoke was uh, during the pandemic, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A lot has changed in the world and a lot has stayed the same. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a whole new world, but yet it's still the same. It's pretty exactly. crazy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today um, with a good friend, Andy Clower. Um, Andy is probably one of the smartest people that I know. Um, and, you know, in terms of your title and in terms of trying to explain what you do to the common uh, individual, it's not that it's not that easy. You know what I'm saying? And so um, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about applied functional neurology, right? And okay. what you do on a daily basis. Cool. So applied functional neurology. So what I, I look at is everything into the lens. Everything we do is basically an output of what what our brain does. Everything we do is, is brain derived. So our brain is going to control everything. My job is to look at, um, if we're trying, trying to get an output of your brain, what inputs does your brain need more of to make a better output? So we look at vision, look at inner ear, look at the body, look at all different neural structures and pathways. What's giving your brain good information, what's not giving good information, what can we get more of to make a better output? So um, it's basically trying to integrate all of our neural pathways to make it help us perform better as humans. Well, how I, right now, I actually work for a clinic right now that we're doing uh, this, this therapy and, and concussion rehab. They kind of spend it with us in the, in, the, in the clinic and we look at vision, vestibular, cognitive, all these other things too, and we put them all back together and help them rehab from a concussion. So my job is to, is a, we come up with the name neuro-integration therapist. So we look at eyes, inner ear, body, breath, everything, the hell it all works individually, how they integrate together to help us, help us function in the world better. Very nice. So that, that was a that was a handful right there. That's a lot to chew on. Neural integration therapist. So that's interesting. So when you start talking about the brain, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of research that has come out within the last few years that have been more expansive, more detailed, and more powerful than anything that we have known sure. in mankind. Right in the history of mankind, and so my question to you, my next question to you is, what are some basic 
tenets that we need to keep in mind when you start talking about the brain, brain health, brain performance, and the like? It's a big question. Um, so the thing to keep in mind is, I think if you look at any kind of trying to train or improve any kind of function, understanding that the brain is the, is, a, is the cause of it all. So everything that we do is brain derived, right? So if I want to be stronger, that's still a brain telling my muscle what to do, what, what to do. If I want to be faster, my brain's got to tell my body what to do. Um, how we function exists in the world is going to be based on this whole, in, like I talked about earlier, input-output cycle. Right? Our brain receives inputs from multiple systems, our eyes, our inner ear, body, internal functions, our organs, breathing, all this things. We get a bunch of input going to my brain. My brain's going to interpret that information and then make the output. Right? So if I'm wanting a better output, instead of just trying to make the output better, um, what we want to look at is actually what can I give my brain more input from to get make the better output? What, what, what input is my, is my brain missing? or needs more of so I can make my output better. So I can try to run faster all day long, but just by trying, trying to run faster, it's not, it's not going to get me faster, right? I can make my muscles stronger, that could help. I can make my joints move a little better. I can actually change the way I see the world around me. If I can see the world around me more clearly, more easily, more quickly, I can make a faster decision and move faster. If I have better balance, I can actually then, if I have better balance, I can be better balanced in motion. So my job, if you look at it, if you want to try to improve performance and improve how you're existing in the world, Instead of just trying to fix, fix the actual output, instead of just trying to get stronger, um, ask the question, what does my brain need more of to get, make, it, make a better output? Does that make sense? That's powerful. That's powerful. So I'm listening to this today, and I'm an athlete in the great Midwest, right? And I just heard what you said about the outputs. And if I want to get faster, I can try all day long to try to get faster but what I really need to do is get healthy inputs to my brain. So the next question, as any logical person would say or would ask, is how do I make my brain stronger? How do I get more healthy inputs? Do I do brain push-ups? Like, what do I do? Like, what, is that, what does that mean? Brain push-ups. That's exactly what it is. Brain push-ups. <laughs> um, what that means is going in, going into your training with a different different focus, different approach, right? Um, when you're training, whether you know it or not, you your brains your, your brains you train your brain, whether you know it or not, whether you do it intentionally or on accident, you're still training your brain. Your brain's actually whatever you're doing, your brain's learning, right? So um, if I want to make my brain stronger, I need to actually intentionally get my brain better information, so I can actually so it can work better and actually um, work better more, more efficiently, so I can actually make a better output. What that would mean is I need to make sure my eyes work together better. They work together. They see everything exactly the same. They track accurately. Depth perception is good. I have good peripheral awareness. I know what's going on around me. Right? Um, I need to also make sure that I'm balancing well. My inner ear is actually getting good equal signal on both sides. If I have one side that's been injured, I may have an, an unbalanced inner ear. It's going to throw my balance off. So I have to work harder to stay balanced. Um, if I've had injured joints in the past, where my joints have actually been injured toward, toward ligaments, toward muscles, whatever, I need to make sure that joint is fully remapped. My brain knows exactly how to control that joint through all speeds and range of motion, so it can actually use that joint when it wants to efficiently. So it's a lot of the things you, you can do are similar to you can see them in a lot of different therapies. Um, it's just a different focus of using the tools in a different way, but using the tools in a way to actually get my brain more information from certain areas so that I can make it makes a better, I can make a better decision, make a better outcome. That's rich right there. That's rich. And, you know, some people might be sitting here thinking, 
what the heck does that mean or how the heck do I even start doing that? And those are all valid and that's part of uh, what you do on a daily basis. Um, things that uh, I've seen you do personally firsthand that have been have made a huge impact in performance. And so, you know, I want to come back to that later because that's a big that's the fulcrum in which you've you know you've built your business and how you truly help people uh, with their brains to get better inputs. Um, before I ask this next question, I want to ask a, a simpler question. Okay. Um, you know, there's this old adage, right? There's an old adage that we only use 10% of our brains, right. right? I don't know who came up with that. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I, I, I think I look at that more as we're only using about 10% of our total potential. Right. I think we, I think our brain has, our brain is so um, interconnected and so powerful. I think we, we have potential to do so much more. We're doing so much more now than we've ever been able, been able to do uh, neurologically and what with the brains. But I think if you look at the at, at, um, connections and interactions and stuff, I think we're, I might, I think, I don't, I'm not sure how you can come up with that, that number 10% of your brain. I don't know how, I'm not sure how that's possible about <laughs> that number. But it's been around forever, right? It feels like it's. Um, it feels like it's. We're just in a way. I look at it in a way. It's kind of a hopeful way. Is that we're we're just scratching the surface of our potential. Like with what we're able to do right now as human beings. What we've done is like we made a vaccine for a, a virus faster than ever in our history. Right. And this whole thing. And these things are happening at these incredible rates right now. But, but we're only using about ten percent of our probably our, our full potential. And so it's exciting to see what how that evolves and grows. If we if we kind of tap into this more, what can we do? How, what where can we go as human beings as with human potential? Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah I, I, I like that. I like the way you put that because at the end of the day, you know, you and I both know that, you know, I, I, I kind of asked that question tongue in cheek because you and I both know that our we use all of our brain yeah. all of the time. All the time. For both conscious and unconscious things. Yeah. And so... You know, I think that, you know, the person who or the people, the group who slapped that statistic together, they probably, you know, listened to some of your advice that you just gave us. They were they were hopeful, like, you know what? We're only we're only using 10 percent. We could do so much more. Let's go ahead and you know, put it out there. And everybody's been running with that ever since. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's been a good one. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe it's also part of what's, what's conscious, what's not conscious, like uh, what, we, what we're aware of. It's about ten percent of what's actually going on. Um, yeah, I think I mean, it's been about five or six years since I've seen this number, but I think the latest research number was our nervous system is processing um, sixteen quintillion signals per second. Uh, basically, it's a bit of information per per second or the course of the day. So mm -hmm. sixteen with um, fifteen zeros after it is how many pieces of information our system is is, is processing per day. We're able to be aware of about ten percent of that of those of, the, of that sixteen quintillion. So that, that that so it's there's so much more. Like you said, all the brain is happening all the time. It's working all the time. It's just what we're actually aware of is this wow. much, right? So if we can scratch that, break that separate become a little more and a little more, that just kind of increases our potential to do more and more. That's that's crazy. That that's an amazing statistic. And and we're talking about the the the. The percent, the small percent, which you just alluded to, that we're the brain's even aware of, right? You know, and it's when when you start talking about awareness and consciousness, 
that's even a that's even a fraction of what your brain is doing on a right. subconscious when you start adding in the subconscious. So, man, very powerful stuff. I I want to I want to get into some more technical uh, things as well, especially for those who are listening to this who may be athletes or dealing with athletes and dealing with performance. I think that the word performance gets thrown around a lot. Uh, and when a word gets thrown around a lot and you don't proper, properly define it, rather, you don't properly define it, it gets watered down. And so when you look at performance, you know, performance is the execution of a specific task and or function, right? Whether we're talking about a machine, whether we're talking about a human being, uh, whatever the case may be. And, you know, one of the things that I know that is largely uh, integrated into what you do is helping people move better, helping people see better, literally see better. Um, And before we even start talking about vision, I want you to talk about our brain's maps, the cortical maps that exist in our brain and why this concept is so huge when it comes to performance. Cool, that's a great question. Um, Happy to put it. in a less than a two-day course, um, answering the question. <laughs> um, so everything we do, every, every part of our body, everything we do, our brain has a map for it, right? So think about map. Like um, we're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to do. We're trying. I'm trying to throw a ball. My brain actually has a there's a literal literal map in my brain of that skill, of where my my trunk has to be, my right step, where my body has to be here, posture wise, release point angles. Where my head, eyes are looking, where my head is, balance-wise, all those things are part of my map, right? So my brain has to my brain remember that as we do the more over and over, if we keep throwing, keep throwing, my brain remembers that map, remembers that place on a pathway for that to happen. That's that's a, a map, right? So, um, but the pro, the power in that is um, it's not just what the arm is doing; it's what I'm if I'm, I'm a tenant thrower, so my left leg, my stability leg, right before I before I push the throw. So it's so shifting my stability from one side to the other. It's the, the wind up. It's the head turn and looking where I'm going and not with my balance. It's the looking at my target. It's all these things are all part of that map, right? So um, in our typical pathway of training, if I'm trying to get better at, at get more, I can try to get more velocity or to get more accurate. I'm going to keep pitching. I'm going to keep throwing and try to get better at it. I may try to change my arm angle a little bit. I may try to get stronger here in the front, get a little looser in the back, stretch it out, whatever. But what's the problem is my eyes are actually not are not matching at the, at the target. What if I one eye is a little bit off off center? And so every time I throw, I'm a little bit off to the right. No matter how much I change my arm angle, I'm always off to the right, right? Or I actually have a little bit of an inner imbalance. So as I'm starting to start to transfer my weight, I lose a little balance, which so like my angle off here, and I lose it there, right? So the power of this, um, if you look at how movement how movement goes, about ninety ten percent of our actual here's the fact that ten percent. Um, 10% of your brain output is actually towards the voluntary skill. 90% of that of the output is going to go towards all the reflexive things to actually stabilize your body to actually make that skill happen. That's where the vision, that's where the posture, the stability come into. Right? So I'm sorry, yeah, so if I want to get better at a skill, I can train the 10% and if I make some progress at some point. But I also have 90% over here that I can work on that actually gives me a much better, much, much more room to improve performance faster than 10%. I have a much better, bigger opportunity to improve my performance in that 90% than I do in, in that 10%. So instead of trying to train that 10% of actually fine-tuning the fine control, why not look at the reflexive pieces of 90%? How good is your stability? How good is your energy working? How well are your eyes matching up on your target? How well, how well are you shifting your weight? 
those things matter um, as much or more than the actual voluntary control of that arm motion. So, so, so what you just said is, is game-changing material. And if you're listening to this as a coach, as a player, I'm rewinding that and listening to that again because what you just said is what everybody is doing. You just told us, you just told us that when I'm throwing a ball, when I'm shooting a free throw, you know, whatever, when I'm swinging a bat, whatever the case may be, when I'm training, yeah, I can go and get reps. Yeah, I can go, you know, uh, and work on some stuff. I can go and practice. But what I'm practicing, what I'm getting reps on, what I'm working on is only 10% of the, the actual puzzle. The other 90% is in the reflexive skill and the reflexive development, which is primarily brain-based. Exactly. That's all the subconscious things that happen without thinking about it. And you right. can actually, and you're telling us that you can actually train that. Those are, yes, we can train those pathways. Those are actually neural pathways that happen. Um, so you, have, you, can, you can train those pathways, make those pathways more active, more quick, uh, more strong. And by fixing those, having them, uh, as you make those pathways stronger, better, quicker, the voluntary comes along so much better, way faster, so, easier. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds great. It sounds easy, right? It sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so why is no one talking about this stuff? Um, it's new information. It's new. It's it's it sounds almost too good to be true, right? <laughs> um, it's newer information, and the application is more challenging. Understanding all the neural pathways, understanding which parts to go go at, like understanding if I have a left or a trunk lean, right? What are the parts? What are the, what what parts of the, of the those neural pathways are involved in that? What which tracks are and spinal tracks are in part of that? What eye tracks pathways? What inner ear pathways are in part of that? so it's there's a we're getting there as far as um, learning all of the neuroanatomy and the functional neuroanatomy and then be able to apply it in a, in a very, very, um, very precise way. Um, it's coming. It's just, it's, it's, we're, it's on its way. It's just, this is new information. Um, it's powerful information, but it's also, there's a little bit of fight between what's already always been done between no works and, and, and the, the new stuff that's actually sounds almost too good to be true. But I mean, <laughs> it's worth a shot to me. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I'm trying to get better, I'd rather go to that ninety percent than that than the small ten percent first. Wow, yeah. wow. So, <laughs> so when you start looking at the practitioners that are out there, right? There's a lot of different practitioners that are you know dipping their dipping their toes in performance, right? A lot. Um, you have chiropractors. You have obviously your your, your MDs. You have um, uh, you have your your surgeons, you have your physios, you have your athletic trainers, you have your strength and conditioning professionals, right? And then you even have people who, you know, on the, on the sports psychology piece. Um, yeah. And then you have people like yourself, right? An integrated practitioner who's putting all of these things with an, uh, together with an emphasis on the neurology um, performance. What makes this area of applied functional neurology or an integrated um, uh, neurology practitioner, therapist, what makes this area different and dare I say superior? Superior is a strong word. That's, that's hard for me to say I'm superior, but um, the approach. So all these things, so physio, athletic training, sports, strength, conditioning, all these 
like PT Pilates, all these modalities that are out there, they're all effective. That's why they're out there. That's why they're, that's why they're there. They, they all work, right? But if you look at how they do them all, they don't all work all the time. Right? One modality will work one time, this modality will work another time. So the functionality piece is, under, is actually explains why this modality works for this person, but not, not for this person. Why, why it's worked on this, this incident, this incident, but not. So you understand that their, their system is always taking in inputs and making the output. You look at that, that lens, there's a reason why for some one person and a treatment works for that person, for, the, for their, their neurology, but not for another, another person's neurology. Right, so the, the lens of the functional neurology, the kind of applied, applied functional neurology is, gives you a, a bigger toolbox and also an understanding of when to use which tool. And when one tool doesn't work, where can we go somewhere else? Where, where can we borrow some from somewhere else to actually use give that input? So it's, it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's superior, it's more comprehensive and it also gives you more options. Um, if you're only working with one modality, at some point you run out of things to try. Right. But if you look at neurology, we talk about the, the 16 quintillion signals, signals in the course of the day. We have a lot of things to try, inputs to try in neurology to actually find the right output. So as long as you're persistent, you keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, at some point you're going to find an output that's going to get a better input, so you get a better output. But if you're, only, if you're locked into one modality, you're at some point you possibly can run out of tools. So that's why it's important to keep learning, keep learning more modalities, but also understand the why behind them, why they work, and when they don't work, why they, why they don't work. Uh, so if you're a bad practitioner, it's that their that patient's neurology didn't have did, is that what, what they needed at, at that time, and so it gives you a better a bigger lens to look at things through and, and know when to use which tool, which modality. No, it makes perfect sense. I try to I try to put it out there and trap you. You didn't bite, man. You didn't bite. You didn't bite. <laughs> no, it's it's good. it's it, it's good, and I'm 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 big I'm big on you know uh, that holistic integrated approach because. You know, the more and more you work with people, the more you find out that everybody's different and yeah. everything doesn't work for everybody all the time. And right. so, um, no, that's good. That's good. So I, I want us to I want us to go down this 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 path real quick for the next three minutes. Right. Yeah. The path of athletics, the path of the, the modern day athlete. Right. There was one point in time when it was, hey. You either got talent or you don't, right? That's you know that's how people identified you know who who had potential. Then it was then it came then then we came into this place during athletic history where it was just like hey you know what if we practice and we train we're actually going to get better, right? And then you had this boom of strength and conditioning. Wow, when we actually load our bodies and we train under tension we're actually becoming stronger faster we're jumping higher we can endure longer then you came to this era of holy crap we can use these other substances these foreign substances right yeah. vitamin s we all know what vitamin s is right to really enhance ourselves right. and and what we're doing we found out that that fell off real quick then people started learning about nutrition and oh my gosh if i'm getting good quality fuel, I'm going to perform better, right? And then sleep, this thing called sleep had this huge resurgence lately, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. recovery, what a concept. When I sleep, 
everything gets better. My memory gets better. My athletic performance gets better. You know, I'm able to make better decisions on the on the uh, the the uh, on the playing field or court yeah. or competition. Right? All the all these things. And now we're finding out that this last frontier, if you will, the brain. There's a lot of focus and emphasis that's being put on the brain right now. Yeah. So I put the ball on the tee for you and I just want you to, I just want you to talk to us about your thoughts on human performance going forward as it relates to the human brain and why that might be the final frontier. Wow. That's a big question. Um, if you set it up, um, I, if you want to kind of, kind of go backwards from, from where you ended, you go back a little bit. So, why we think it could be the, it could possibly be the final frontier is because the brain's in charge of everything, right? The brain's what makes us who we are, and the brain's what actually dictates how we perform, right? So, if that's our target of all of our training, all the things you mentioned, the like we have all the talent, talent is, is the output, right? But then we start to actually put low te- like tension muscles and strengthen, right? We did nutrition, we did the vitamin S, all those things are still inputs, right? Your, your brain's actually taking those inputs into and actually putting those into your, either your chemistry or your biology, your physiology and your, in your, um, how they work together and actually making that output too. So we're sleep. Sleep is actually what allows your brain to actually process the day's inputs and actually put, and actually load them into a, the output. So let's your brain, that's the brain we store itself to actually make those outputs by the next day. So it's, all these things that we've done, all the history of the years, that actually the target has been inputs. They've been, they're all inputs to our, for our brain. It's just never been, they've never actually been looked at it in that way where actually intentionally training the, the brain to actually get a better output. It's just make this muscle do this, make your muscle, the chemistry do this. But if you guys start to understand the bigger global picture of it, it's all integrated. It's all intertwined. It's not just this, it's not just this, it's all how, how I perform in the field. It's not just, not just how my muscles fire. It's the timing. It's how quickly, I, how quickly I see something and recognize and make that decision to actually do it. It's how balanced I am. It's how much fuel my muscles in my brain have to actually make them, make them actually happen. It's, just, it's the fuel. It's the, how the rest. It's how, how, how tired am I to actually... And so it, it's like um, connectivity and that, that integration that's, that's happening there. So, right? so all those things will never go away because they're all important. But if you understand the neurology piece and understand that what, how they're how they're where they're going and how they're being being interpreted and how they're creating your output, you have a huge potential for creating amazing outputs or amazing amazing performance because you have a better lens to look at it through. And if you try so we try something that doesn't work, it doesn't mean that I'm not a good athlete. I need a different input. Try something else. Try something else. Now I now if I if, instead of being a talented the one who has the most perseverance is going to win. But the ones who want to keep trying to get better, keep trying to get better, keep trying to find the right things for themselves. The ones that push themselves and kind of keep going, going more and more, keep trying because we have so much endless possibilities. We see that in a global, global scale of our brains taking all this information. So what does it need more of? We have endless opportunities to actually make ourselves better. The ones that are going to end up being the best are the ones that are going to be the most pers- have the most pers- perseverance. The ones that are going to keep going, keep trying. Does that make sense? So I think I, it's I, everything we've done in our history to make ourselves perform better, they've all worked at some level because they're around. It's just we're looking at it from a 
from a macro level, a macro level to the macro level. Looking at it, we're making that muscle work better versus we're actually giving my brain better information from that from that that knee, which 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 is controlled by the quad. Right, we're giving my brain better information from if I see this over here, I'm going to make faster and sooner. What is faster and sooner? I can make it faster. I do something quicker. So everything, if you go back to sports, everything in sports is helpful to be fast to have that raw speed, that raw power. But most things in sports are are, are sooner, not faster. Right? If I can see and decide and respond sooner than my opponent, I want to win. It doesn't matter how fast I am. If I can do it quicker, if I can do it more soon, sooner, because I think I can see and make a decision better, make, I have better access to my body because my brain knows where I'm at in space and knows what, what's happening around me. If I can do that more, if I can do that sooner, I have the advantage. Right? So you can kind of start to look at how all these things are. Um, Ah, they've all been, we've, we've gotten so good at science where we can look at this one area and this one area and this one area here. But now we have all these things, we need to look at how they all work together again. And when we would put this all things together, we make it, we, we make, it can make a, a complete and better human. If we can say that that's way. Re- that's, that's really good. That's really good. And it, I think you've given us a lot to think about and ponder there. Um, I, I, I just love how, you know, even with saying all of that, you have taken us back to this place of we have to look at it all together, right? Every one of those domains that we have spoken about in part today, right? Whether it's, you know, physiotherapy, medicine, psychology, nutrition, strength, conditioning, chiropractic care, every one of those areas, it's almost like there is a, um, I don't even want to use the word finite because as soon as we say finite, somebody's going to discover something else, right? But every one of those has, they have um, accepted practices and accepted norms within that practice, right? Right. Uh, Not everybody practices the same thing all the time, but there are accepted practices and there are accepted norms. When you start looking at the neurology piece, the brain piece, right? The reflexive piece, the inputs that you spoke about earlier, it gives us almost this infinite uh, toolbox right. that we can use in and of itself. And if I'm hearing you correctly, we can use that in and of itself, but, the, but where we're going to make infinite, almost infinite leaps and bounds is when we take that and we couple it with all of these other domains. Right. Right. Is that what I'm hearing you say? I think so. I think yeah. I think we have we have we have endless possibilities. I think I think we're not even come close to scratching our potential. I think we're just, as we're getting better, seeing bigger pictures and seeing how all these things that yeah, adding adding see what we already have and add this piece add these pieces to it and see what mm-hmm. happens. It's, I think we have potential to do some. We have endless possibilities still. We're not even close to being done, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Wow. So it all it, it all leads back to we're only using ten percent of our our potential. Ten percent, man. Ten percent, man. We're only using ten percent, man. That's hey, you know what? They they've already figured it out, man. We're just now catching up. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I love that we ten percent. Oh man. So so I have a I have a question here, and this and and just so ladies and gentlemen, just so that you guys know. Um, Andy does not know anything I'm asking him today. This is just a, an organic conversation, um, and we're just we're dealing with a professional who's um, uh, very well seasoned in his craft. And uh, Andy, my question to you is, you know, what is the biggest fallacy, right? That this is two pronged. 
that medicine talks to us or tells us rather about the brain, right? And what are the biggest fallacies that athletes, let's just, let's just talk about athletes, generally speaking, um, believe about the brain, right? So yeah. medicine, medicine and performance. performance. This cool. is loaded, man. This is loaded. Right right I love the question. Loaded, um, man. I think it's pretty well been debunked by now and pretty well widely accepted. The biggest fallacy we've had in medicine and what we're told is, is once you hit your 20s, you're done. It's all downhill mm. from there. I'm 43 years old now and I'm stronger than I've ever been in my life and I'm faster than I've ever been in my life as, uh, um, athletically. Um, they used to, used to be, it's now been disproven, it's pretty well already accepted, accepted now that after you hit like 25, your brain stops changing. What would you have, what you, what you got, what you have with what you have for the rest of your life? It's just downhill, downhill from there. Um, not true. We, our brain will continue to change and adapt until we die. Mm. Um, they looked at um, studies, they did actually study between an 80 year old brain and 20 year old brain. Um, they both adapted and actually adapted and changed at the same speed still. It's just the difference is that as an 80 year old, you have way more life experiences than 20 year olds. So you're, it takes more load and more, more load, more learning to actually create a change versus the 20 year old because it has some experiences. So medicine's telling us that once we hit a certain, we hit our 20s, it's all down from there. Our, our vision goes bad, our joints wear out. Um, we stop, we can't learn anything else. We can't do anything. We, we know, we, we don't know until we can learn more. We, we all, we'll, we'll, Everybody, I think, has learned a new skill in their 30s, 40s, 50s, picked up new things. We know that we can learn skills, but take that further into seeing, moving, performance kind of thing. So that's kind of a mixed bag, right? So, yes, vision starts to decline at a certain point in their life, but how many people actually try to make their vision better and work on their vision as hard as they work on the rest of their body? A very, very small percentage. Right, the one one I one of the few people I know of athletes have done trained their vision for most of their career is Tony Gwynn, who is the best hitter of all time. Right. Um, if we don't train it, we'll lose it. So if we do look at the computer screen all day long, we only look at one distance and we never look around, we never move our eyes, we never catch balls anymore, we never do these things, those start to our eyes the eye strain starts to kind of wear us and this vision will start to decline. But if we understand neurology, understand how our brain how how we can adapt and change. If we can start to change that, we can see. We can actually teach ourselves to see better. I've had fifty-year-olds get 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 rid of glasses. Um, I've trained athletes who already have amazing visions. Visions are ready to actually make their vision even even better, even faster. Um, because understanding again is all controlled by the brain. If you look at vision, um, the eyes of the camera, the brain is what actually what would read the image and interprets that image. So I can teach my brain. If I can teach my brain how to read the image faster, better. I can improve my vision. So, as an example, all I'll say is we're not done when we're after our 20s. <laughs> it depends on what you do with yourself and your body after your 20s from medicine. From an athlete performance standpoint, look at Tom Brady. <laughs> um, he's going to be the first quarterback to play until he's 45. He's won the Super Bowl at 43. Um, again, age, there is a wearing, there's, there's wear and tear from, from your sport. Right, but if you start to change the way you train, and, and like Tom Brady has done, I'm actually I don't know what he's done. But he's done something well. He's changed the way he's trained over the years to take care of his body and to move well, do things differently. Um, he's 
declined much slower than almost any other athlete in our history that we've seen so far. He's functioning at a, functioning at a very high level still at, at, for what's considered in the sports realm at an advanced age. Um, so it, you have to be willing to change the way you train and train the way you change the way you use your body and train with your body if you want that longevity. If you want the longevity, you want the performance, right? So um, at some point, if I can squat 500 pounds versus 550, that's not going to give me much of an advantage. That extra 50 pounds on the, that will take me two years, two or three years to get that 50 pounds extra. Is not going to give me much of an advantage on, on, on the field, right? But if I can see something, if I can, if I can respond faster, sooner, if I can move more quickly, if I can move in a weird, weird angle without getting injured, I'm more injury resistant. I'm a better athlete. I'm going to. I'm actually going to, going to going to improve faster, better, and actually have a longer longer career. So it's it's looking at being willing to change the way like everybody's everybody's looking for looking looking for the, the power and the strength, right? At some point, especially when you get to a certain level of athletics, those 10, 15, 20 pound differences in how much you can bench press or squat or whatever is not going to change much in how you play on the field versus your opponent because your opponent's doing the same thing, right? But what if I can see something sooner than him and respond sooner than him? What if I can? What if I can actually get past her more quickly because I can actually spend a turn more easily with, with better balance? If I have these other skills that they, that they don't have because they're not you know, that, that don't aren't necessarily found in the weight room, right? Um, that's one thing. So I want to. I have a soapbox on this. So it's yeah, it's, the, it's the neurology piece. Like we don't we don't have to be great like we think we do. Like we don't we don't need to train like we've always trained. If you look at weight, so here's my other thing. Please don't hear me say that weight training is bad because I think it's very important. There's strength is important, but if you look at lifting a weight, everything every movement we do on, a, on in a weight room is angular and designed to actually create mechanical disadvantage to create bigger strength and bigger muscles. Everything we do on the field is rotational, right? And it's, it's actually in, 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 on the field and in, in sport we're trying to try and actually be more efficient, not inefficient. So if I'm, I want to train raw power in a weight in a weight room, but I need to balance that out with actually learning how to move with speed, precision, and fluidity, for to actually actually take care of my joints and actually move well, prevent injury, but also move better and move more uh, easily. If that makes sense. So it's um, looking at instead of instead of training a squat, training my need to actually be able to move in, in a, an entire circle. All different angles under load. So if I do get hit in the knee and I have my knee bends in, it's been there before. I don't get injured. Or training my knee to actually do that, make that move that inward rotation. So that when I cut, I don't tear something. Right. So um, I want learning how to, to train differently in your strength and your movements to actually build strength in your joints, 360 degrees. So when you're on the field and you move rotationally, we don't we don't we actually have power and speed and competence and less risk of injury so that's a bit of a soapbox so that that is that is obviously ladies and gentlemen we are listening to an expert in his craft and that is that's a that's a lot to that that's a lot to uh, to consider in terms of you know common practices right because right. some of the things that you have just alluded to are not common practices as far as even thinking about you know oh there's a different way to train wow, my sport is rotational and my, how much rotational work am I actually doing except for, you know, certain med ball throws or, or right. what have you, you know, in the, right. in the weight room. And so um, 
that, that, that it's, it's powerful. And, and, and Andy, I just want to say thank you again for joining us. Um, before yeah. I ask you, before I ask you, um, you know, the, the closing questions here, uh, where can we find you online and otherwise? Um, so right now, my full-time job, I'm, I could say I'm doing professional rehab. So I work for a clinic called Cognitive FX. Uh, we're based out of Utah. Uh, we do concussion rehab. Uh, we are working at some point, possibly, hopefully, to uh, maybe look at doing some, some brain. So it's all brain-based rehab, and uh, you can look at it also as a performance-based thing, actually improving your performance. So most most of us as human beings have had concussion in our lives, or multiple concussions as kids. We run and hit, hit our heads, and we do things. We have accidents. We play sports. We have concussions. Uh, a lot of us have lingering symptoms. We have brain fog. We have cognitive decline, or we have things that just aren't as fast as as we want to. We have energy issues we have, whatever. This, we look at um, these, these, these long-term kind of chronic issues that we wouldn't mean to possibly link back to head injuries. We look at how the brain's functioning, uh, different parts of the issue, then go in in a week of training to actually restore those areas and put them back to where they need to be. Um, so whether it's for an actual intense, severe concussion, whether it's been years in the past and you're still having some issues with it or whatever, in between, we look at, we look at actually, we have a technology where we actually can see in real time, how your brain is performing compared to, 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 to normal, normal brain to do a task. And if that task, if that your brain is either working too hard and not working enough for that part for that task, we go in there for the week and actually target that area of the brain and make it really do, do what it's supposed to do and kind of even things out. So that's kind of like, that's good. We, we, we do brain rehab all the week, all, all the time. So we, whether it's for injuries. So that's my full-time job right now. Uh, the website is contentfxusa.com. Um, I do a little bit of my own work I've had. My business in the past is called Fitness Evolved. Um, I still have a, an Instagram channel. If you want to look at the Fitness Evolved, we have a lot of, lot of actually, actually videos and photos of stuff that we've done in our, in our in the past with this neural-based training. If you want to see what, what it looks like, it was, a, it was basically a brain-based training gym um, for athletes and for everyday people to come in and actually make themselves healthier by using their brain. Um, by targeting the brain. So. Uh, if you go on Instagram and search the THE Fitness Evolved, you can find our channel there. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, I'm around. Decide <laughs> um, if I can hold on me. If you, you know, if you have some questions for me, whatever, yeah, I'm around. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. That's yeah. nice, man. And and this is, uh, you know, Andy, what you do is such a. It's a, again, you said it's it's new. It's very new. It's very niche. Very niche, depending on your pronunciation of choice. Uh, and, but it's very, but it's very powerful. And so, um, thank you again for that. And we'll make sure that everybody has that information. I guess my last question to you is, uh, you know, what are some things? What are two or three things that we can do to improve brain health and brain functioning? I mean, we're seeing such a rise in, um, you know, just brain-based diseases and trauma and just degeneration. Uh, you know, and it's not, and it's happening younger and younger, right? And so. Um, my question to you is what are two or three things that we can do, you know, today, right now, going forward, that can help us in terms of our brain health and our brain performance? Cool. Um, two of the biggest things, very general, but very, some very obvious, but very, very powerful, sleep and move. Um, we underestimate, especially in our culture right now in America, the importance of sleep. We talked about earlier how important sleep actually is. If you're not getting enough sleep, there's no way we can we can function to the day every well of day life. And as as we as we run low on sleep, 
there's some, some interesting research out right now. Actually, you can't actually fully if you if I even if I get three hours of sleep one night, I can't actually really physiologically make that up the next night. I'm at a deficit again. So, and as we keep going, we keep having these nights of low, low sleep, low sleep, whatever. We, that builds up, builds a deficit. So, I can't stress this enough. The importance uh, for any kind of any any kind of performance or just being a functional life is um, getting getting sleep, getting good sleep. Six day, uh, six. Sorry, yeah, six to eight hours a night is is kind of the the, the guideline that to kind of be in. Actually, probably I would probably say seven to nine would be a better target to shoot for. Most people are in the six hour range. I like I'd rather people be seven to nine hour range, right? So sleep is one is probably the most important thing you can do. Other thing that's most important thing you can do is move. And it doesn't matter how. Find something you enjoy doing and do it. Learn something new. And so our brains need fuel and they need activation. Activation is going out and not doing the same thing we do every single day, because at some point, me sitting at my computer tapping all day long is habitual, habitual, it's not activation. I think a little bit for work, but I'm not stretching myself to learn new things. Learning new things, trying new things, and moving. Um, go learn learn a sport. Um, find something that you really enjoy doing. Go gardening. Uh, go for a walk to new places. Um, the two things that, one of the things that, that actually requires the entire brain is voluntary movement, right? So if you're moving and you're moving and you're trying to move better and learn how to move, trying to walk better, move whatever, voluntary movement actually requires your entire brain. Other thing that requires most, almost your entire brain is vision. Um, I know we're seeing all day long, but actually learn how to move your eyes, move your eyes around. Instead of right here in front of us, look up, look down, look left, look right. Can I do my eyes without my head having to go with me? Can I go side to side quickly, up and down quickly, comfortably? Can I turn, look at someone, can I look at you? On the screen, I turn my head side to side, and you stay in focus. And I go up and down, and you still stay in focus. Can I move my body and still stay on target? Um, these are some small things that are kind of very general. But the biggest key is move. Um, actually, be able to see a better play. Go play. Go do something fun. Um, learn something new. Do something different. That's play. Playing is, can, be, can mean anything for anybody. It can be playing a sport. It can be learning how to play an instrument. It can be art, it can be gardening. Um, give yourself something to do that's different than what you do every day. And something that you enjoy doing. So the biggest thing is that is also is enjoyment. Right? I can make the best workout plan in the world for you, but if you hate it, it's not gonna work. Right? And you have to stick to it. It's gonna be something you actually love doing and you enjoy doing. So whether it's lifting weights, whether it's running, whether it's swimming, biking, go hit tennis balls, um, anything, anything that you, that you enjoy doing, that you, that you will do over and over again, that's your thing. That will keep you healthy. That will keep you going. That's great. That's great. Andy, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, these are always great. I just feel like um, I just learn so much every time I hear you speak about the brain and human performance. And so we just want to say thank you again. Um, we're we're going to do yeah. this again, man. This is um, uh, a great. So, yeah, it's always fun. I love, I love talking. You always have you have great questions. You always have good thoughts. It's fun oh, to think about. Hey, it's not hard. It's not hard, man. When uh, when you're dealing with somebody like yourself and your caliber, I mean, it's just there's so many things to think about, and and there's so much that we don't know. And so, uh, thank you again for for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Good to see you, man.